Hello, and thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, APACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for APACN. I'm here today with Jennifer LeBay, Curriculum Development Specialist with APACN. Jennifer joins us today to discuss the current staffing crisis in skilled nursing facilities across the country and the potential impact of using the Nurse Assessment Coordinator as a long-term staffing solution. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for having me, Amy. We all know the shortage of nurses in skilled nursing facilities today is a big concern. As a solution, some facilities are asking NACs to help fill in staffing holes and work as floor nurses. How might this decision affect the facility in the long run? Oh, Amy, this is such a relevant question and it's being addressed in so many different ways. But one thing that facility leadership really needs to be aware of is what exactly is going to be left on the table or missed or not done when the knack is filling in on the floor. Now, certainly patient care comes first. We've got to take care of our residents and we really are in a pinch. But we have to look at those other items that are going to be impacted. So if the NAC is not doing their duties and there's nobody there to pick up the slack, MDS assessments will not be scheduled timely. Tracking forms won't be completed if folks come into the facility. ICD-10 coding will not be completed. MDSs may not be completed or they'll be completed late. Discharge assessments wouldn't be completed or, again, completed late. And the care plans, because the MDSs aren't being completed, that full comprehensive care plan is not going to be completed or it won't be completed timely. Okay, so I'm hearing that some things would be late or missed. Why should SNF leadership and the NAC be concerned with that? What are some of the risks of having these late or missed items? Great question, Amy. At first glance, you know, a lot of people don't understand what the NAC does, which is, I think, part of the bigger issue. And it's not just that maybe the other people in the facility don't know exactly what the NAC does, but sometimes even the leadership of the nursing home don't really have a clear-cut idea of what's really happening in that NAC office. So, We talked about the missed or late assessments. So for the OBRA assessments, this is your admission, your annual assessments, quarterly assessments, significant change in status assessments. These are the items that are part of federal regulation, have been in place since the early 90s, right from the beginning of MDS. And these are what drives that plan of care, the survey, the care planning. If we are not assessing that resident in that timely fashion, the staff is not going to know all of the things that that resident is going to need and to really assess what is this pain issue, what is this functional issue, what is this skin issue, and things will get missed. So there will be an inaccurate care plan. The resident may have some pretty serious negative outcomes related to that, and that's certainly not what the resident needs. We need to make sure that we are addressing these items, and certainly some things could be addressed, but 
it's not really looking at that comprehensive review that is part of that REI process. So now we have an inaccurate care plan or care plan that doesn't really reflect the resident's needs. And now come survey, if hopefully we don't have negative outcomes, but come survey time, surveyors will look at that and say, well, you know, you didn't really do this assessment and there's things that have been missed and that could result in survey deficiencies on top of, you know, hopefully we won't have poor negative outcomes, but certainly if there isn't an accurate care plan in place, that's always that risk. Also looking at missing or late PPS assessments. So those are our assessments for our original Medicare folks. And if we are not assessing those assessments properly and choosing the correct assessment reference date and selecting the appropriate items to code on the MDS and researching past medical history, medical records from the hospital, getting those interviews done timely to hear the resident's voice, that could impact the payment. So certainly, you know, care is a concern, but payment is a concern as well. If those assessments are not set timely or not set at all, there are very strict requirements as to when that assessment reference date can be set. And if that is not done timely, there could be a situation where you provided all the care, you did all the services, but you can't bill Medicare because there was never an MDS completed because there was a staffing shortage and the NAC was working the floor. So those are some things that you really need to look at from a payment standpoint. We also mentioned the missed discharge assessments. And a lot of times, and I admit when I was a NAC, that was always the last thing on my list to do because, well, the resident's already gone. I can just work on that with the medical record is in place and we'll get it done when it gets done. But unfortunately, those missed discharge assessments are going to impact your five-star rating. So the staffing star rating is calculated based on the staffing hours in the payroll-based journal, but it's also using that MDS census to calculate what that estimated staffing need is. So if there are discharge assessments that are floating out there and they haven't been completed yet, when it's time for that staffing star rating review, the government's going to look into the system and say, oh, all of these people are still in the system. There hasn't been a discharge assessment yet. It's been less than 150 days. So those people must still be there. So they need to be staffing for this 110 people when really you may only have a census of 80. So it's super important to get those discharge assessments done for that. Also for the PPS end of stay, those PPS discharge assessments, if those aren't done timely, that's going to create an inaccurate SNF QRP calculation because that SNF QRP calculation is looking at those type one and type two Medicare stays, which either require a death and facility tracking paired with a Medicare five day or a discharge assessment paired with a five day. So there's you know a lot of things that at first glance may not look like, oh, well, it's just their paperwork isn't gonna get done. Oh, well, we need that patient care. But in the long run, it could have a very serious impact. The NAC gets back to the office, has this backlog, and oh, we got to get this all done. Month-end billing is coming. It's time for the PBJ calculation. And now, unfortunately, due to this backlog, this could create a rush to complete the assessment. So not only are they late, but possibly now inaccurate, 
because the time wasn't taken because we needed to rush to get it done for billing or for whatever purposes. And that could seriously impact care, reimbursement, quality measures, star ratings. So it really does have a large impact. That's really good information. I agree with you, Jen. When I was working as a consultant, the leadership, they weren't always aware that if you didn't set the ARD date timely, that there could be payment ramifications. Absolutely. And unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there about, oh, well, I can just backdate it or my computer system will let me date a backdate. And that's not part of the regulation. You're actually being fraudulent if you do that. So it's very important to make sure that we're following all of the regulations, regardless of what you know the software may let us do. We know that there needs to be a balance between critical staffing assignments for patient care during a crisis and ensuring the NAC's responsibilities are taken care of to prevent citations, decreases in reimbursement, and impacts on ratings. What solutions can leadership put in place to mitigate damage or ensure that balance? That is the million dollar question, Amy, and this is where it gets tricky because this isn't a quick fix. Unfortunately, there would need to be some planning before we get to the point of a staffing crisis, and unfortunately, we're already in that staffing crisis, so the best we can do is kind of move forward. I've always recommended having a backup, somebody else in the building, even if you have multiple NACs in your building, if something happens where you don't have the staff and you need to utilize that full-time NAC, is there somebody, maybe a former NAC from the building, maybe somebody who has retired or somebody who has expressed interest in being that backup person and get them trained, get them that background information, have them do assessments on a monthly basis, you know, just to keep their skills up. So there's somebody that could be called upon either on an as needed basis, or like I said, maybe it's somebody who can't really work the floor or doesn't want to, and they're able to fill in some of the gaps. So cross-training, I think, is huge. Also, a temporary or agency staff, there's a lot of need out there now for temporary NACs. And there are folks out there in the industry who do offer that. So that is something that could be looked at. But I think the first and foremost, training the folks that you have and really cross training folks and sharing what other duties did that knack do that maybe could be shared with a social worker or the health information management staff or another entity so we can spread that wealth, still be able to take care of the residents but also not put ourselves into a financial hole. You know, with that cross-training and how do we start, where do we make sure we have an REI manual in place? Packin has a wonderful MDS Essentials on-demand training available for those brand new people who don't know uh, and really start to get that cross-training going. Another thing that I always liked to do when I was a NAC or I was, you know, overseeing is really trying to incorporate the REI definitions and language into the everyday assessments at the facility. There is sometimes such a disconnect between the nursing admission assessment or, you know, the skin assessments or your weekly assessments. And the language on those assessments doesn't necessarily follow 
the definitions in the REI. And I always found that very strange because as an MDS coordinator by trade for well over 20 years, that's all I knew was, you know, all of those definitions. And when trying to train other staff about these different assessments, they didn't have the same definition. So if we can incorporate that REI process and that REI language and those REI definitions into what everybody's doing, like it or not, MDS makes the sniff world go round. I mean, we just talked about reimbursement, care, quality measures, ratings, all of that is, you know, the majority based on MDS. So why not build that into the assessments you already have? And then that provides a degree of cross-training already, because if the nursing staff and the other interdisciplinary team members are already familiar with the definitions and the instructions that are in the REI based on the assessments that they're doing, it's going to be so much easier to, you know, maybe cross-train them into doing the MDS themselves, and it won't be such a culture shock for them. I always find training new knacks from working the floor, charge nurses, it's like a whole new world. They're like, oh, well, I didn't realize that this was the definition. Now this makes sense, what I have been doing on the floor, and it all's clicking together. It would be lovely if we could just do that, and it all clicked while they were actually doing their job on the floor. Another thing that facilities could look at, and this is kind of tricky when it comes to not missing those PPS assessments, is perhaps having that admission nurse set the ARDs for those PPS five-day assessments on admission to avoid any missed assessments. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to do the full chart review and make sure that the correct day is selected to get the highest reimbursement, but at least set a date, day one through eight, on an MDS form in the MDS software so that assessment is open. Because once that last day, day eight of their stay is gone and passed, you can't go back in time and set the ARD. Oh, today's day 10 and there's no assessment set, so I'll just go back in time and set it for day eight. Your software may let you do that, but that is not what is allowed in regulation. So even that small step, that could save a provider liable situation or having a default rate. And then another thing that we also have to be concerned about is not only what is the impact of the work not being done by the NAC, but for that NAC who maybe hasn't worked the floor in quite some time, onboarding that knack to floor work. Do they know the lay of the land? Do they know what the most recent meds are? Do they know all of that information? Would we expect a brand new nurse to come into the facility and just take a cart? I would be scared to death. I haven't pushed a med cart in years. And yeah, I'm a nurse. And yeah, I've been a nurse for many years, but that doesn't mean that I feel comfortable or safe giving the med pass or doing, you know, whatever latest treatment there is, I would want a little bit of an onboarding or orientation. And as you're hiring new NACs, if that's going to be part of, you know, potential expectation, maybe building that into part of their orientation, not only, you know, are they going to be expected to do all of the things they need to do as a NAC, but there is that potential for working the floor and what would they need to be comfortable and safe to do that in your facility. Thank you for all that great information. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? Yes, I'd love to add a little bit about the waivers. 
The emergency blanket waiver of minimum data set MDS timeframe requirements was posted as part of the overall waivers for the public health emergency. Unfortunately, that particular waiver has expired as of May 10th, 2021. So although we had a brief amount of time where we could delay the completion of the MDSs, that's no longer a waiver that is currently in place. So that there's no confusion, the three-day hospital stay waiver and the benefit period waiver are still in place, but the MDS timeliness waiver has expired. So we still have to follow those regulations in the REI manual. We have to complete that admission assessment by date 14, and we have to get that care plan done. They have to be submitted into the keys ASAP system, and we have to get those assessments completed for payment. So we have to have a plan in place to make sure that not only the residents are cared for, but that the important work that the NACs are responsible for is complete, accurate, and timely. Thank you for joining me, Jennifer. Happy to be here as always, Amy. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse assessment coordinators, please visit our website at www.apacan.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC NAC Chat podcast. Heard the news about how you can improve quality care and increase efficiency with Ability? Ability offers a range of applications to simplify the complexity of healthcare allowing organizations of all types and sizes to spend more time on care and less time manually collecting, analyzing, and reporting data. This allows you to remain in compliance while making data-driven decisions that benefit residents. With Ability, your facility can improve resident outcomes, optimize reporting data, enhance reimbursements, and much, much more. Discover what Ability has to offer at abilitynetwork.com slash apacin.